Hi, welcome to Sonic Serial. I'm Jesse. And I'm Mark. And in this podcast, we take a deep dive into albums from some of our favorite artists, track by track. And today we are focusing on Radiohead and finishing with their album, their 1993 album, Pablo Honey, which was recorded in Oxfordshire. And today we're talking about tracks 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. So yeah, I mean, half the album. Pretty much the rest of the album. Yeah. And um, let me tell you why. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because at this point in the album, I just feel like the songs become forgettable. And there's nothing really that stands out. And it just sounds like generic rock music. And if you try to tell me to sing you like the lyrics to, I don't know, prove yourself, I wouldn't know where to start. And I I don't feel that way about any other Radiohead album. <laughs> well, both critics and fans um, disagree with you. Okay. So we get to hear about why. Why what? Why they disagree with you. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> it's personal. So what, what track are we talking about now? Uh, <clears throat> we are talking about track six on the album, Anyone Can Play Guitar. Yeah, this is the second single off of the album, After Creep. And the beginning noise that you hear in the song was made by everyone in the studio playing a guitar, including the chef. And uh, Johnny used a paintbrush on his guitar. It sounds cool. I want to try it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... What did the what did the critics say uh, about this song? Uh, we looked at a bunch of different reviews and sort of put them together into this gem. Yeah, um, it's a '90s alt rock classic with one of the most catchy choruses Radiohead have ever penned. The chorus line "I want to be in a band when I get to heaven" couldn't be more '90s if it tried. Definitely. So this person obviously liked this song. Yeah. But there's something for everyone. Yeah. So what about live performances? Uh, The most famous performance that this band gave was when they made an appearance on MTV's Beach House in 1993. And it's a highly amusing performance from Tom in which he screams his head off and jumps in the pool. And he nearly electrocuted himself from being in the pool with the microphone, so that's that's dangerous. <laughs> Did you like this performance? No. <clears throat> Definitely not as interesting as the song on the album. Mm-mm. Uh, okay, what about the music video? Well, it was shot in an empty swimming pool in Hornsey, Hornsey, London. And there are turkeys, turkey fowl, mm. and a lizard. And it's pretty random. And um, what about the musical style? Um, it's very 90s, grungy, and, you know, they're wearing plaid and... <laughs> <laughs> and they're... Um, there's guitars that are on fire. <laughs> with <laughs> so funny. With blurred, colorful studio lights. 
You're telling it like it's some, like, like you're weaving some tale, tale about mystery. It is a mystery as to why they would let themselves do something like this. Okay, uh, and what was, um, wh- who's the director? They should remake <clears throat> the video. Um, it was Dwight Clark who also did a couple of videos for Blur at the time. But I couldn't find anything else on him. Uh, what about the song meaning? What does it mean? Well, uh, with the chorus, I think he found the line, I want to be Jim Morrison after seeing Oliver Stone's movie, The Doors. Is that what it's called? With Val Kilmer? Um, but yeah, it's about the doors and... I think that line is trying to convey his dissatisfaction with the mythical status with, like, that people... Well, apparently he was famous for, like, a very short span in his career. Yeah. Um, And the rest of it, people say he was mediocre and made bad music. Yeah. Because he was always high and drunk. Yeah, and I think, allegedly. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people today glorify people like Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin. I mean, they're all good, but like people aspire to be as great as that, I guess. And well, and by dying young, they're like immortal in a way. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, like you didn't have to see them get old, and and they didn't end up fucking up and doing things that made you not like them. Yeah. <clears throat> but don't die young kids please don't <laughs> I'm just kidding okay um, <laughs> you laughing makes it seem like you do want them to die young <laughs> no but uh... <laughs> okay so um, uh, it was possibly inspired by the Oliver Stone film of The Doors. <laughs> yeah. You already said that. <laughs> Why did you steal my trivia? I'm sorry. You were but supposed to say that Johnny Greenwood played guitar with a paintbrush, but you already did. I know. Oh, and then something else. Uh, <laughs> When they did the Beach House performance, yeah, Tom ad-libbed new uh, lyrics to the song, and he said, "Maybe if I grow my hair, I, be- I can become Jim Morrison." And then afterwards, he shouted, "Fat, ugly, dead." <laughs> So I think that's like he's talking about like I don't know how people just do music without like not for because it (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm glitching but people like want to be in bands and be rock stars just for the fame aspect of it all yeah and like the want people to idolize them and that i don't know i guess he's saying that's a really ridiculous reason to get into music i guess yeah as opposed to people who like to songwrite and make music just for the joy of it so i think he's just frustrated with people like and it's interesting. Why doesn't he just let people do their thing? <laughs> Whatever. Because it reminds me of when <laughs> about like growing up you go to everyone's house and someone would have a guitar. Okay. So <laughs> it's like you all don't know how to play it. But it's kind of like Thomas just saying, all right, I guess anyone can play guitar then. Fine. 
All right. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Let's talk about track seven, which is Ripcord. It's pretty much just another straightforward, plain rock song. I mean, like I said, it's not standing out for me. But uh, actually, Mark, why don't you let people, for those that don't know what exactly a rip chord is, please? I would love to. So let's go back to 1907. (laughs) We have now become a different podcast. There was a 13-year-old girl, and her her name was Georgia Tiny Broderick. Did you make this up? No. Her name was Georgia Tiny Broderick. She was small. Okay. And she was from the country. Um, And one day, she was at the Georgia State Fair. When she was young, and she was fascinated by a hot air balloon performance that um, was happening. This is 1907. That's crazy. And they were jumping off the balloons and parachuting down. That's what the people were doing. That was the show. And she was so fascinated with it that she left home at 13 and joined them, helping them fix the parachutes and the balloons and stuff. Um, and one day she wanted to jump off balloons too. Yeah. (laughs) And so they let her and she became the first woman to jump out of a balloon with a parachute. But one time it didn't open. That's sad. But she saved it because she figured out how to pull the rest of the, untangle the rope and pull the rest of the parachute out before she hit the ground. But... (laughs) Because of that, and because she had been repairing parachutes for a long time, she developed the ripcord. Yeah. Because she almost had a near-death experience. Yeah. That's scary. Um, and after was- she did, the military and the Air Force gave her, like, like, you know, they celebrated her and gave her awards and medals. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um... And then she became the first woman to jump out of a plane. Yes. And she did it in Los Angeles, and she landed in Griffith Park. That's amazing. <laughs> On the Hollywood sign? <laughs> I don't know, but around there. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so... So it's about parachutes? No, it's about rib cords. Yeah, rib Well, cords. no, it's about... What is it about? What's what about? Ripcord. The song? Yeah. <laughs> so it's about like, I guess, feeling like you're growing up too fast or having to grow up fast and not wanting to be or not being prepared f- for being an adult. So mm. it's he's like equating it to jumping out of a plane and <clears throat> without a ripcord, I think. So he's like, it's just like adulthood. <laughs> well, speaking of ripcord, tell like us about being frightened of it. I guess tell us about the other meaning of the word ripcord. The other meaning? Yeah. Um, it's a oh string. no. <laughs> Is that for real? Yeah. It's a length of string tied with knots that is... You made all this up. I did not. (laughs) Just finish it. You're almost done. That's inserted up a male's rectum and slowly withdrawn during the height of... Sexual climax. Stimulating the prostate and enhancing sexual pleasure. So we're going to have to <laughs> say that this podcast is explicit now. Yes. 
And oh wow. No, because we were talking about rib cords. Going off with a bang. <laughs> talking about sex toys now. Alright, so what the critics are saying about this song is that it is one of the fastest and most outwardly energetic songs in the album. Ripcord features shifting drum patterns, very heavy guitar work, and double-tracked tom vocals. What does that mean? What? Double-tracked tom vocals. It, I think <clears throat> it means that it's recorded once, and then it's recorded again, and then just play both of those recordings simultaneously. Mm. Double-track. Yeah. Maybe they just take the single recording of it and then just layer it but shift it oh yeah or something too. I don't know I could see <clears throat> right yes um uh double tracked tom vocals uh and that it sounds a lot like uh other songs from this era in theory but it's relentless energy sets it apart yeah and it's solid evidence that Radiohead was already working at a comparatively high level of musicianship at a very early age. Stage. <laughs> at a very early stage. And in retrospect, it should have come as no surprise that these guys would move on to more challenging... <laughs> more challenging approaches to music. Why, why are you laughing? Because... <laughs> It sounds just like the way you talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Uh, let's talk about live performances. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> okay. It was. You thought there was a woman with a bob walking on our balcony? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's very specific. I know. It was... Um, the last time it was performed was at E-Work in Cologne, Germany on November 28, 1995. And it was performed as the last song for the encore. And it would become the third song from... <laughs> their first album to be dropped off permanently from their set list. That's a lot of math. A lot of what? A lot of math. The third song from their first album, <laughs> twice removed, <laughs> divided by four. All right. Uh, let's uh, hear about the song meaning. Oh, yeah. Um... Well, at the 1993 Gothenburg Festival in Sweden, Tom said, This is about signing on a label, having a lot of money, and having no idea what to do with one's life. Uh, so I mean, that could be weird, just catapulting, or not catapulting, but becoming like a rock band. Mm-hmm. Uh, signed one successful and yeah yeah I mean this was their first album though so who could have known that maybe this would have tanked and sure I don't know all that money would be gone I don't know uh, or maybe he's still playing off how like people want to be rock stars and stuff from the previous song oh yeah yeah uh, well, fans say that it describes the suddenness of reaching adulthood and how unprepared um, you can be for it, um, comparing it to jumping out of a plane with no parachute. Yeah. So I guess that's what, what fans Adult see in the song. It's rough. Like graduating college. <laughs> um <laughs> For me, there's a, a few parts of the song that remind me a little of uh, Blue Oster Cult's Don't Fear the Reaper. Without any cowbell. Without any cow- We were just watching something where they, don't, they played 
Don't fear the Reaper. Oh, X. X. That's right. Yeah. X. They play Don't Fear the Reaper. Um, how about you? What do you think of the song? It just reminds me of a generic rock song that they would use in the TV show Friends. Like in the, um, when they transition scenes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> It's just so... It's really sunny for a Radiohead song. Oh, sunny? You know, like... <laughs> describe... <gasps> oh, if we could just show people that little <laughs> shoulder dance. I can't describe it. <laughs> Peppy? I don't know. Yeah, I get it. Joyful. Joyful. Okay. All right, time to move on to track eight, Vegetable. Uh, give us a new overview. Never but this. I mean, again, it's just another planned song, and it, and it's not the vegetable you eat. The vegetable. <laughs> it's not the vegetable you eat. That's the overview? Yeah. <laughs> The, the song is not an actual vegetable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, as far as the critics, uh, they say that the guitars on this piece are exceptionally strong, combining fragments of blues flicks, dissonant bends, and screaming distortion. Uh, vegetable is as uncomfortable as creep, but I admire the hell out of Radiohead for not avoiding the real shit that goes down in this world every goddamn day. Well, critics. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're right. Well, um, as far as live performances go, the critics agreed that Vegetable is a notable example of a song that translates well to live performance. But this was at the time. Yeah. 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 Do you think it's harder for a song to translate like from record to live? Or like what's the Mm-hmm. Yes. Guess what? <laughs> I, I feel that um, it it's harder to translate the record to live. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what? about the song meaning? Well, I feel it's similar to Creep with Tom just... He's like in this outsider mode and petulantly and... (laughs) (laughs) defiantly brandishing his anger was so funny. (laughs) Petulantly and brandishing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Reading King Arthur. <laughs> All right. Um, I think it's uh, about him rebelling against strict authority um, <laughs> in the same vein as Stop Whispering. And feeling like people are trying to put you in a state similar to paralysis. Do you agree? Uh, well, I just said this is what I think. So. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. I said it. Sometimes you and your thoughts can have different opinions. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so for trivia, um, 
This song is is a vegetable. Just oh, facts. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. Um. What what vegetable would you say represents this song? <laughs> uh, celery. Celery. Yeah. Why? Because it's crunchy, but it doesn't really taste great, and. <laughs> doesn't have a lot of nutritional value. No, that's good. It's not substantial. It's, it doesn't taste like anything. It's yeah. just water. Yeah. That's what this Yet music... it has this thing that you really oh, associate man. strongly with food, which is like crunch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. That's really good. How about you? Which one? Oh. An onion, because it stinks. <laughs> oh, stinks. I thought you said stings. <laughs> Saying like it stings your eyes. <laughs> okay, it stinks, guys. <laughs> this song is so bad. Not only is it hurting my ears, it's hurting my eyes. <laughs> Making me cry. All right. Uh, that means that it's time to move to track nine from the album, Prove Yourself. Tell us about this song. <laughs> but you put no laughing. You put no laughing. Of course I'm going to laugh. All right. I just said the song is about a serious subject matter. Don't laugh. It's the first thing you did. <laughs> it's just another boring rock song, so. Yeah, I guess you could be bored to death by it. <laughs> oh my god, okay. Hey. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, um, as far as what the lyrics are saying, I say musically, track 10, Prove Yourself, is one of the highlights. Featuring songwriting hallmarks that we would see on the bends. The chorus line of Prove Yourself, where all the band link up in vocal unison, is angsty and excellent. Um, Greenwood's solo on the rock, on the track, um, can also be taken as a short progenitor to chat. <laughs> What? You said progenitor to chat? <laughs> what are you talking about? Sounds like you're on an IT call. <laughs> Alright, so you're progenitor. Do progenitor to chat. <laughs> to just. <laughs> to just. Okay. It gave birth to just. Yes. That's what I should have said. That's a good theory. <clears throat> So, um, this song is actually about suicide and being dissatisfied and having a negative outlook on the world around you. Um, so I think with that being said, it kind of reminds me of <laughs> the film They Live. Because it's more, the dissatisfaction is coming from, like, oppressive authority, you know? Existential angst. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's also existential, which <laughs> I feel like they'll bring up more in their later work. Yeah. So, just, just like a appetizer of that. <laughs> um, it was... Uh, currently, it was originally, <laughs> Prove Yourself was originally the lead track on Radiohead's first release in 1992, The Drill EP. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, let's move on to the next track. That would be track 10, I Can't.
I can't. <coughs> I can't even. It's just blah, you know? <coughs> Alright. Uh, so what's it giving, then? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it must give something. It's, no, I'll tell you what it's giving. What? It's giving nothing. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, well, the critics are saying that... It's giving... I can't... <laughs> Okay, well, the critics say that it features one of the lovelier melodies on the record, but the song's dynamics are loud after the intro, uh, with only slight variation on the last lines of the verses, making the song sound crowded. Yeah, it's a little cluttered. Um, and the critics say that less intensity and in giving the song more space in spots would have improved the overall sound. Actually, I don't even know what I'm talking about because I can't even remember what this song sounds like. And that's what I'm talking about because that's none of these songs are... So it should be called I Can't Remember. M- m- memorable. I can't remember this song. That's what it should be called. Yeah, I can't... <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, well, it was not beloved by the band... Um, or fans, and it played very, very, very rarely, and it was dropped from the set list altogether um, by October of 1992, um, several months before the album's release. Um, what about song meaning? It just deals with self-doubt and giving up. I've been there. Yeah. But, I don't know. You don't know about giving up and self doubt? <laughs> I'm just saying this is never gonna happen again <laughs> because it's just weird that one of the like best artists out there they would start with an album like this. Usually, like, a good artist, their whole discography is decent. Or the first album is what, it's like, it sets the tone for what they're going to do through the rest of their career. Yeah, and then this album, in this case, is just, like, this is nothing. But then, you know, they go down to create mind-blowing albums. But think of, like... You know, sometimes people cross over from country to pop. Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. (laughs) Where are we? Uh, It was first recorded by the band in... Oh. So, this was recorded by the band in 1991 for a demo tape by their managers Bryce Edge and Chris Hufford and this track was indebted to American alternative rock band Dinosaur Jr. do you remember them? no I barely do Um, the producers Sean Slade and um, Paul Coldery struggled to find uh, to better the original version um, which was ironic since um, Slade and Colder had previously produced Dinosaur Jr. Um, Colder recalled to Q Magazine. Can you... I'm not this? doing no more accents. Come on. No, no, no. <clears throat> Tell us what Colder said. They said, we can never get it at the right speed. I wanted it to be faster. wanted it to be slower and we went back and forth I had high hopes <laughs> I had high hopes for that that one and I didn't think it panned out that well eventually they settled for the original demo version 
so they couldn't fix it. No. <clears throat> uh, what else about this song? I found <clears throat> that it's the least played song on Spotify from this album. So you found no, that? No, <laughs> I did that. I hate that. No. <laughs> yeah, but I did that. All right. We are in the home stretch. This is track 11, Lurgy. 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 You'd think it was Lurgy. Do you know what a Lurgy is? What's a Lurgy? What's a nonce word? <laughs> it's a question. You wrote this. I know, okay. Nonce, <clears throat> a nonce word. I mean, this is according to Wiki, so it's a nonce word popularized by Spike Milligan and Eric Sykes, scriptwriters for. A nonce word is a word invested, inv- invented for the occasion. And they're scriptwriters for the 1954 program, The Goon Show. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) The Goon Show. It's just nonce words and goon shows. Okay. Um, So, and their episode is called Lurgy Strikes Britain, in which Ned Seagoon must deal with the national outbreak of highly dangerous, highly infectious, and as it turns out, highly fictitious disease known as the dreaded Lurgy. So it's like another <clears throat> word for an illness or disease, and it sounds like allergy, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. it sounds like it's an epidemic. Mm. A pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's like something that spreads. Right. It's just not like So it's not just <clears throat> one person. Yeah. <clears throat> it's communal. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, colds are communal, but it's like, you know. So it's not it's, like, I'm alone, I'm sad. It's like, I uh, got you. We're all in this yes. together, guys. <clears throat> Rainbow arms. Okay. Um, uh, Lurgy is <clears throat> a fan favorite that rises above the lot of more rote material on Pablo Honey. (laughs) Yeah, and some critics have said that Lurgy is just alright, but it kind of suffers from sounding similar to Bones, which is a stronger song. Do you agree? I'm telling you, I don't remember <laughs> how any of these songs sound. I can't you play it. You just heard them. I know, but Lurgy. <laughs> All I can see is, like, white kids skateboarding. <laughs> but it's not that. <clears throat> okay. Go on, tell us more. About what? Oh. Well... <clears throat> The words in the song are repetitive here, but only lyrically and not musically. The song notes change from line to line, so even though he sings in the same lyric, it creates a different feel, making it more interesting that the vocal repeti- <coughs> repetition after previous two <coughs> tracks. What the fuck did I just say? <laughs> No. <laughs> this <laughs> this critic is saying that <clears throat> a lot of the songs are can, are very repetitive on this album, <clears throat> but yeah. this one's all <laughs> sounds like a chain lawnmower that's coming at us. <laughs> Leatherface just entered the chat. <clears throat> Hold on. Okay. Did you say Leatherface just entered the chat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just hit me. <clears throat> um, 
it's saying that a lot of the songs on this album are repetitive. Yeah. But this one, they make it interesting because it's repeating, but they've layered the voice twice mm-hmm. so that it probably sound, sounds more like polyphonic. I see. <clears throat> um, yeah. Do you know what they're talking about? You don't remember this song. I don't. I'm sorry. Okay. But I do know that this is the last time this was... <laughs> I know that the last time this they performed this was in 2003. Oh, I forgot what I forgot what country. What are you doing? <laughs> I was just like performing, like the crowd. Yeah, we got a clip here. You don't need to do that. <laughs> <clears throat> Okay, um, as far as the song meaning, <clears throat> it's been said that um, in this song, the narrator's recovering from an illness caused by a failed romance. Lurgy hasn't made its way into the dictionary yet, but it implies a sick feeling in an unspecified way. So yeah, he's, he's recovering from an illness, which is the Lurgy, and it's caused by a failed romance. Yeah. And I, and I think it's about inward growth <clears throat> after, you know, having the inward growth after someone's partner leaves them. No, that's deep. Where's my bell? <laughs> um, and uh, as far as trivia, it's been said that this is one of the best ever two chord songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what it sounds like, so I don't know. <laughs> you keep saying that. I can't remember. It's the Lurgy. <laughs> it's the Lurgy. Um, well, this is the final um, song on the album. It's track 12, and it's called Blowout. And I think this this is probably my favorite song off the album. Mine too. Yeah. I agree. So I like how it starts off sounding, <clears throat> you know, like a Latin type of beat. Do you agree with that? Mm-hmm. And it, then it becomes like really shoegazy and psychedelic <laughs> at the end. Really <laughs> <was> shoegazy. <laughs> you, you know the genre shoegaze? No. Are you messing with me? No. You know, it's that's what they call like bands like Slow Dive and <clears throat> Oh and My Bloody Valentine. I get it, yes. <clears throat> yeah, so Okay. It, it's just like really distorted guitars that <clears throat> with a lot of reverb and Yes. Yeah. So it's kinda psychedelic but it's more um, emotional. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's just kind of what this sounds like. Okay. Well, but the it's critics... like really fast-paced and energetic at the end. It's pretty cool. The critics say that this is a slow burner, atmospheric and moody, featuring Greenwood's jazz-inspired licks intertwined with O'Brien's hazy arpeggios in the verses. Uh, this was the biggest musical indicator of where Radiohead was headed. I agree. <clears throat> I, I feel that... This could easily be a song they still play on, like, mm-hmm. one of their albums. Um, speaking of, what about live performances? Uh, for many years, Radiohead often played this last at their <clears throat> concerts. Um, but the song didn't appear on their set list between their gig in Tokyo in 2008 and their one in Chicago ten years later. Uh, what about song meaning? Well, this song is about Tom writing about the pressures he puts on himself. Like, 
I understand that. <laughs> Sometimes we can be our own harsh critic, as they say. Harshest, yeah. Harshest critic, yeah. <laughs> more harsh. <laughs> I guess they both were. Anyway, it's one of his more personal songs. Well, as opposed to the other ones on this album. I don't know. I think they meant introspective. Oh. Uh-huh. So all personal, but... I guess... Um, this is guitarist Johnny Greenwood's favorite song on Pablo Honey. Um, and the Japanese version of the single contains a remix produced by Phil Vinali. That's dope. <laughs> So the second voice in the background of the chorus or whatever is saying, all wrapped up in cotton wool, oil wrapped up in sugar-coated pills. What do you make of that? Cotton wool is maybe like a bed. And sugar-coated pills are like drugs. Mm. So... It kind of just paints this imagery where someone's bedridden. Oh, actually, you know what? I I think I just got it, but I like where you're going with that. (laughs) You know when you open a bottle of something and it has the cotton stuffed in there that you have to pull out, and then there's the pills underneath? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it just refers to a bottle of pills. Mm. Maybe the first time that you open it. God, that's so melodramatic. (laughs) Uh, what else about the lyrics? Oh, they make references to Greek mythology, like Achilles and Medusa, because the turns everything I touch turns to stone <clears throat> lyric. So, I wonder why he chose to bring Greek stuff into it. <laughs> Maybe it's like because this is a Greek tragedy. Oh, that could be it. Yeah, maybe. I he feel like went it. To college. <laughs> so did you. <clears throat> and you went to college more recently, so you should be smarter. I know. Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about. <laughs> you thought I was talking about you? Yeah. I was talking about Tom and his <laughs> lyrics and his Greek. Damn, you took that personal. Yeah, bitch. Well, you went to college, too. (laughs) Touchy, touchy. (laughs) No, just... Don't double standard me. Sorry. I'm calling Angela Bassett on you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, this gives me laser light show vibes. Because it starts that. off kind of slow, but then it speeds up. You can see, yeah. imagine like the shapes. That would be fun. Things just speeding. I do it right now. I would too. Um, what about their live performances? Well, when they performed this song for the first tour, uh, it seemed like they would extend it out for like six minutes. <clears throat> it seemed like it. Yeah. <laughs> You were there? <laughs> uh, that feels kind of Pink Floydish to me. Yeah. But, yeah, that's cool. I would have liked to see this for six minutes. Um, I wish about- I was there. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> Um, what about a live performance? <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Don't know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Whatever. Well, there's also a notable live acoustic version or live acoustic performance that they gave 
on CBC, a radio station in Canada, and they were playing with a couple members of the Posies, and this was in 1996. Do you know what the Posies are? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I'll, it's a good version. I like it. Yeah, me too. Okay, so uh, that brings us to the end of the album. That was um, those highs, those lows. <laughs> it's over, though. More highs you know, below, yes. Uh, That's all that's important. So we're closing out the uh, album Pablo Honey by Radiohead. Phew. Uh, what's the best quote from the fan sites that represents how we feel? It seems that half the people overrate this album because it's Radiohead, while the other half underrates it because it is Radiohead. This leaves me in no doubts that it is, indeed, Radiohead. (laughs) Do you agree with that? (laughs) No. (laughs) I do. What does that even mean? It says that, that that you have all these fans and they're divided. Some of them hate something oh, I, about oh, yeah, it, yeah. and the other ones don't. Um, the best artists usually have divided critics, and I'm right. Yes. And so <clears throat> it just felt like yeah. There's like the fans that like Radiohead for Creep and other more rock songs. <clears throat> And then those fans abandoned them when they started getting into electronics. Yeah. And yes. So on and so on. <clears throat> but I'm saying when when a fan hears a song from Radiohead they like, that um, some people overrate it because it's Radiohead and then other half underrate it because it's them. I didn't add anything new to it. You can take that out. Okay. Anything else to say? Sorry. (laughs) We will be back (gasps) at our next podcast, and we're going to do something a little different. Um, We're going to do a um, soundtrack from some of our favorite artists. Is that right? Yeah. Do you know which one yet, or is it a surprise? It's a surprise. All right. <clears throat> Peace. Out. Peace. Out. I feel like I forgot something, but... Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>